Welcome to Night Shift. My name is Jeff Sharon. We got Eric Lopez. We got Bryson Turner here with us. And uh, on the sort of the the busy week right before Memorial Day, right, guys? This is when the, all the big stuff starts coming down before we really start winding down for the summer. And uh, we still have lots to talk about. Baseball in the American Tournament out in Clearwater. They have advanced to uh, the winner's brackets. So we'll talk about that. Got a big game. The war on I-4 is not dead yet, gentlemen. Uh, we'll talk softball, uh, who uh, went 1-2 and two in the Tallahassee Regional. Their season comes to an end. Three straight 40-win seasons. Eric Lopez will give his thoughts on that. Uh, we've got tennis. We've got track. We got, we'll talk some men's basketball transfers. We've got a new volleyball assistant coach to talk about. Um, lots new of volleyball coach. coach. <laughs> new, yeah, yeah, new volleyball assistant coach. And we've got... Uh, uh, and... and, and we mentioned uh, some some gold, some gold happening with the football uniforms, mainly with the helmets. So we'll try and uh, we'll try and riff on that for a little bit. But uh, all right, here we go. Let's start with uh, UCF baseball. So the Knights uh, finished up the regular season against Wichita State and then went right into Clearwater, for the American Athletic Conference uh, championship, and uh, they went in as the uh, as the five seed. Uh, excuse me, as the four seed playing Cincinnati in the first game, they beat Cincinnati. They beat Cincinnati four to three on a walk off home run by Andrew Brait, which is only his third career homer. And so the latest situation for UCF baseball um, looks like this: so they move forward in the winners bracket. South Florida beat the eight seed. South Florida beat the one seed ECU. Sent the Pirates to the losers bracket. So in the winner's bracket, nice get a, this is the big thing. This is why I kind of like the format of the American Baseball Tournament. The winners on day one, because they play four games on day one, the winners get a day off. So that's kind of your reward for winning. Uh, UCF plays South Florida in Clearwater Thursday, May 25th, 1 p.m., at least scheduled for now. Uh, and in a... In a winner's bracket day that where, where Bryson, you were there along with Nick, um, we saw three lower seeds win. UCF was the only higher seed to win. Um, and now, in the, and to just update you on the loser's bracket game, someone's going home today that probably wasn't planning on it, uh, or today or tomorrow. Right now, uh, at the moment we're recording this, which is about 9.30 Eastern on Wednesday, May 24th, Cincinnati, the five seed, is leading one seed ECU six to five in the top of the sixth in Clearwater. They've had numerous weather delays, and right now there is a power outage at Baycare Ballpark. So we don't know if they're going to finish this game tonight. They may end well, up finishing it tomorrow. They've already moved yeah. the Wichita State Houston yeah. game to 9 a.m. We'll never have on, to worry about this ever again if you're UCF because in the Big I, 12, they play indoors. They play indoors. Big, they play at Globe Life Field, yeah, which is Major the home League of the Park, Texas baby. Yeah. So, um, so at least we won't have to worry about what. Well, let me put it this way. You know, never say never. But if you have to worry about a weather delay, something has gone terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. As opposed to, you know, rain and clear water. Surprise, surprise. So, um, water is wet. You're right. So, Bryson, Cam, Cam Leiter uh, against Cincinnati threw some, uh, you know, threw extraordinarily well. Um, the bullpen again just really is struggling for UCF. They gave up the 3 nothing lead. But then Andrew Bright comes through in the bottom of the ninth with uh, just his third homer of his career, but his second within a week because he hit one against Wichita State. So if you're Greg Lovelady, how are you thinking right now heading into uh, South Florida, hopefully on uh, Thursday? Well, I'm sure that he's very grateful for the extra rest for his relief pitchers. Najir Victor and Kyle Kramer overall, I think, are very good relief pitchers. I, I, I actually asked about Greg Lovelady in the press conference, which you can find on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel about it. And, you know, he just they just he said that they just have to kind of pick him back up again. I mean, they they have been consistent throughout the usually pretty good throughout the whole season, both Victor and Kramer. And so I think to have this day off is a really good sign, because if when you go to the bullpen, those are the guys you're probably going to want to go to, at least as far as the late in the game is concerned. But hats off to lighter 
for n- not letting them go to the bullpen like beyond you know that setup closer mm-hmm. type of role. I mean, he's really been turning it up the past few weeks. Eleven strikeouts at Tulane, eleven strikeouts at Cincy ten days before he played Cincinnati again in, in here, and he got nine strikeouts against them. That's twenty strikeouts against one team this season. I actually ran some numbers before the tournament started so this may have changed a little bit but as of right before the tournament started cam Leiter is currently sitting at the second best strikeouts per nine in a single season in program history so so while that's pretty good i think that's pretty good oh yeah very much so Leiter, he wasn't named unanimously to the all freshman team for nothing Yes, the, the coaches really recognize something within Lighter as far as stuff goes. And, you know, he's had his struggles as a freshman. Hunter Patterson, I remember, went through this when he was here as a freshman a couple years ago. And he turned into a key centerpiece for the starting rotation for them in the, Ameri- in, in, the in that AAC tournament. So I'm thinking we're probably seeing something again this time. And I would definitely be happy, a happy camper if I'm Greg Lovelady that you will that you could maybe have Lighter going forward if you can pull out the win tomorrow as uh, tomorrow as well because if you have something like lighter someone like lighter going on a tear that he's going on right now then that's a very good thing to have for a pitching staff that has been very wishy-washy throughout this in throughout this entire season and who i mean go with american tournament being what it is ecu could we could be seeing the number one seed Ow, they're on the ropes. As of right now, ECU is on the ropes yeah. with their number one starter. They couldn't pitch him today because they had they, he, he ended up getting suspended one game because I guess he was some kind of hot dog handout or something. I it was it was a really weird circumstance. But it, with e, if ECU does end up exiting this tournament early, then what was already kind of like you know all right, all right, we could probably be, this is a pretty wide open tournament to anyone can, anyone can win it now. I mean, you just mentioned it earlier, three, uh, three lower seeds won, and the only higher seed that won was only ahead by one seed, and that was UCF, and it was on a loss. The the seeds don't matter in this tournament. I mean, this is the story of the American this year in baseball. It's wide open. I mean, we knew this. East Carolina is the only team that's probably safe. Even if they go 0-2, they had an RPI of 27 going into this game. They're probably going to get in to the tournament regardless of what they do here. So if you actually – Well, I mean, the the one thing they are blowing is any chance to host, though. Yeah, I think that was slim anyway. So I I think there'll be a two or three somewhere, which is good news, though, for the Americans. If you're the American, that means somebody else wins the automatic bid, which means you become a multi-bid league. Uh, You know, this is the ninth-rated conference this year. It's the lowest – that the American has ever had in the 10 years, this is the lowest they've ever been as a conference RPI for whatever reason. So, But it, what it is, it's, it's wide open. It is wide open. Like day one didn't shock me one bit because the difference between two and eight or whatever is low. Um, you know, you mentioned the suspension. Yes, that was on a home run where the guy was giving him a hot dog prop. You're not supposed to have props in baseball at a celebration of a home run. So that actually did happen. During the South no Florida fun East league. Well, yeah, Come on, ridiculous. So uh, meanwhile, look, I mean, they're meanwhile they're sitting in that dugout waiting for the lights to come back on. I mean, that's, jeez, Louise. It's not just the America; it's a college baseball thing. But so now you got UCF South Florida. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very fitting that these two teams will play in the winners bracket game. Bryson, considering everything that has happened this year with all the drama that kind of started with that series up in Orlando, and then they went back to Tampa. They're evenly matched. And I think the question is, this is going to come down to what do the Knights get from Rudy Gomez, who I would assume will get the ball on Thursday. I could be wrong. But I think Rudy Gomez has to deliver for this team. I don't think you want to go deep into your bullpen early, not the way they've been shit kind of up and down. And then offensively, you got to get those timely hits. This is going to be a big opportunity. You win this game on Thursday – now all of a sudden you don't play till Saturday. You only have to win once and get and have to be beaten twice. You lose this game Thursday. Now you got to come back play Friday. Then you got to come back play Saturday. It's a long ways away. Uh, so this is a monster game. Monster game for both UCF and USF, who have both probably have had by their standards disappointing seasons to this point, but have a chance to avenge that. Uh, in this tournament season uh, season records, by the way, uh, of course, these two teams played twice. Uh, 
tied up at three. Uh, South Florida won two out of three in Orlando, but UCF won two out of three in Tampa. So slight geographic advantage to the Knights, Bryson. Well, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be down to who's gonna get the last lap because they both their the whole season record it's tied three three. So whoever wins this game right here is going to get the last lap because they'll be it'll be four and three in their favor. And you know, Eric mentioned. Well, in theory, they could play again. What in the postseason? No. Yes. Um, in, yeah, they could. They could play oh, again. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, I see. So, because yeah, remember, the, double elimination. They could play. That yeah, would let, yeah. let's say let you know whichever team loses the winners bracket game if they beat the winner of Cincinnati uh, ECU, then they would play each other again. That is very true. But uh, that that is very true. But I think that 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 both of these teams are going to be going in with with a mentality that this could be the last time they face each other. And, the, the, and, you know, after the drama that has unfolded between these two teams in the, over the course of this season, this is going to be another very, I think, passionate type of game. You mentioned Rudy Gomez. That's Gomez. a very kind way of putting it. <laughs> you mentioned it's, Rudy Gomez. No, emotions are going to run high here. There's and no doubt. Rudy, in, in, in the previous two series against USF, in Johnny Liano Park, while the team lost that game, he had seven strikeouts and only gave up two runs on four hits. While in Tampa, he struck out four batters and gave up four runs on five hits. So Rudy has done, I would say, uh, some solid outings against USF in the past. I, we, we know obviously we know he's kind of been a bit in a bit of a cold streak as of late, but he you know he had the opportunity to rest the Wichita series, which Lovelady talked about uh, had the boons of having that. And so going into tomorrow, going in with this rest, I'm sure that I think that with this day off, I think Najir Victor and Kyle Kramer, since they both went one inning, they could be good to go if they need them to do it again. So I think really the biggest thing is not this more if not, if not multiple innings, Bryson. If not multiple yes. innings, I mean that's yeah. so, you've got yeah, so, you've got to treat this like the game seven type because it really yeah. puts you in a great spot. If whoever wins this game puts you in a great spot to be within one win of playing for that championship on Sunday. So I, I and I and that for that reason, I, I think you're going to see maybe some. It'll be interesting how the coaches handle this quick hooks versus keeping a guy in longer. Uh, you know, base look. The offense found a way, right? Break found a way with Huddleston, but, but but Bryson, they've got to deliver with runners on base. They kind of left some runners on base in that Cincinnati game. They had a chance to break that game open and did not. And that's my concern is in this park. I don't know, you know, can they, you know, put up offensive numbers without hitting a long ball? You know, that's going to be the question here as well, especially as we prolong this tournament and the pitching gets eroded. It's going to turn into a slugfest. Yeah. Well, we find out first. Bit, bit of business tomorrow uh scheduled to on one and we'll see how that goes because of the delays that we're seeing at uh well, they have resumed they in clear water the lights are back okay. on they have resumed and that is significant it's east carolina cincinnati that does play a part because east carolina is more yeah. than capable of coming out of the losers bracket and being a dangerous team not that cincinnati's not but east carolina is east carolina so that is right adds more ramifications to this ucf For, but but let's not forget that at least as of right now as we're as we speak at 9 40 p.m eastern time on wednesday they're down right now to cincinnati they're they're well they're you can make the, the argument so. that the this side of the bracket right now is the favorite to win the automatic bid with wichita and houston both going down early and now they got to play at 9 a.m. Uh, Tulane yeah. and Memphis are the fa- right now are in the winner's side. I'm not afraid of either of those two teams. I think everybody on this side of the bracket can beat those teams. I wouldn't count Wichita State out yet because I do think they're the best offense in the American. They could score in bunches. Their problem is they can't feel, uh, but they can outslug people. So I think when you look at this bracket, you know, Wichita, Houston is going to be interesting there as well. Uh, so it, it's. This is going to be – It's a, we, I had a feeling – you know, I talked to people in the conference when we were in Tampa a couple of weeks ago for softball. We had a feeling this was going to be a wacky conference tournament, and boy, it's off mm-hmm. to a wacky start. Yeah. All right. So we monitor that closely. Now, moving over uh, elsewhere on another dime in UCF softball, Eric Lopez, and this is uh, your time to shine here because – 
Boy, it was looking good early. UCF got that win over South Carolina in on the first day of the tournament. Um, but then, such is college softball, two straight losses. They lose to Florida State. They lose to South Carolina in the nightcap. Uh, and you go from 1-0 uh, from one day to out the next. Uh, UCF finishes the season with 40 wins, three consecutive, or, or uh, yeah, three consecutive wins, or three consecutive seasons with 40 wins. Uh, another conference championship. Certainly a lot of a lot to be proud of on the resume. But uh, Coach Ball Malone, after the loss to South Carolina, uh, kind of felt like you know, she she said like you know we left a few on the table here this year. And uh, on one hand, you know I'm you know you're pretty encouraged by saying you know at a, another forty win season where you win the conference and go fifteen and three in the league, and you're thinking. Wow, the standards are pretty high, but also it's like, ah, well, you know, maybe there were some missed opportunities. Let's start with you and uh, and your evaluation of the tournament. You know, Tallahassee's been uh, it, it been a bugaboo for UCF softball over the years, and was again this year. Um, did you did this go down as you expect? And how do you evaluate how UCF played in these uh, in these three games? Did they did they did they get the most out of what they had? That's the disappointing part about Saturday. There are two losses, which defensively they broke down. They had four errors in the two games. Uh, it wasn't like the other teams were hitting them that well, especially the FSU game. They were not hitting. Florida State wasn't hitting Sarah Willis. Really, they scored based on a right. misuse by UCF defensively. So I think that was disappointing. They didn't hit with runners on base in the FSU game. And I think the FSU game took a lot out of them. It forced them to come back later that night against South Carolina, had much more deeper arms. Uh, and UCF just couldn't hit South Carolina pitching that game. So disappointing in that you didn't get to at least a regional final. Uh, I think that's where Coach Ball Malone was coming from. I mean, you mentioned it. Here's the quote that she said in the postgame afterwards. Quote, we're not satisfied with how we ended. Uh, people tell us great season, and our goal every year is to reach potential and have no regrets. And I don't think we reached either one of those. That's a strong comment, but I kind of see where she's coming from. Uh, this was a team that's top 25. This team lost some games in the walk-offs. Think about this. They blew a seventh-inning lead against Tolson on the road. They win that. They win a share of the regular season title. Win a couple other games. Maybe you're in the mix to host. I kind of think that quote actually describes UCF Athletics 22-23, actually. I don't think there's a UCF team on campus this year, maybe except for track, Bryson, that can honestly say they don't have some regret this year and some disappointment. Mm. Uh, and soccer? You know, start, men's soccer is definitely a disappointment. Yeah, women's. I'll tell you why women's soccer. You do better penalty kicks. Maybe you're in the college cup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have a column Football up, there, Eric. Written, you know, November. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got a column, Eric, up on uh, Black and Gold Banner right now, where you do kind of take stock of the season. And 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 your your main point is this: like we got an ace, Sarah Willis. We didn't know if we'd have one. Uh, yeah. We've got one now. Aubrey Aubrey Evans is uh, is a star. Chloe Evans is a bona fide star. Um, How she wasn't and, on the all region team is highway uh, robbery. Yeah, absurd, but, idiotic. There, yeah. But you know, let's face it. Heading into the Big Twelve, forty one season conference title, uh, you only lose one senior. Uh, although right. you do lose a couple in the transfer portal, including Michaela Macario, but. Um, you got to feel at least like the foundation is laid for the uh, Big yeah. 12, no? Yes. I mean, look, let, let's, this is a good year. It's a really great year. You win a conference championship. <laughs> I don't want us to think we're disappointed over 40 wins in a conference title. <laughs> but the standard is different now. Softball is kind of the women's sports version of football, where winning eight, nine games isn't good enough. It's like, where do you end up? And I think that's where softball's coming from. This is a program now. Yes, five years ago, we would be hooting and hollering and celebrating this year as an incredible year. But it's no longer just good enough to lose in the regionals and say, great year. This team wants to win regionals, especially with the mm -hmm. roster that they have. And I think also Coach Paul Malone's message is that's the message. That's the that's kind of the what you have to go with the mindset going into the Big 12. And I speak that for everybody. Because if you go into the Big 12, hoppy, oh, if you're going to be the underdog, then you're going to get smacked in the face. So I think part of the message, too, is, hey, we got to set this high standards here if we want to be irrelevant in the Big 12, and they do. They want to be relevant 
uh, in the Big 12, and I think they're in place. They have this core coming back next year. Uh, you know, and I think they're going to add some pieces. They're going to top 17 recruiting class coming in in the fall, and I would expect them to be active in the transfer portal as well to this roster. They, uh, to me, them and women's soccer are in the best position to compete right away in the Big 12. Now, the negative is there's this school called Oklahoma that's still in the Big 12 next year, so that's going to probably <laughs> – Just for next uh, year, though. Let's be fair. Yeah, but they, I think that – look, you can finish fourth or fifth in the Big 12 next year and still be in the mix to host. So What's, that's uh, the positive. Let me ask you this. What's on the shopping list for next year? What do they got? Uh, what's, the, what's the big hole that they got to fill? Personally, it's just my opinion. I think they still need more pitching. Uh, I think you've got Sarah Willis. you got some nice pieces behind her. But I think when you're going into the Big 12, you're going to need three depth there. And I think there's some arms. There's going to be arms available in the portal that I think will be interesting. We'll see if UCF lands there. Um, you know, we'll see what else they do. I mean, obviously, you're, you're referred to. There's some players, I guess, they're in the portal. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. This is a huge roster coming back, plus a recruiting class. There's just not a lot of room for everybody. Uh, I'm not convinced of the players that are in the portal, except for Macario, that they would have played next year. And I think the Macario, they're deep at the infield. Bryson alluded to mm -hmm. this. Aubrey Evans could sl easily slide into second base. That's the future. Plus, they have a kid named Honda Lewis, who if she sticks around as a great, bright spot in the infield. They've got another infielder coming in this recruiting class. So um, I don't think they have to do a lot. I think they got to tweak some things. Uh, but I think definitely add more pitching depth. Uh, and, may, you know, and perhaps we'll see what else they decide to do there. You never know, right? Like, you don't. You know, the thing about the portal is you never know who's available. Nobody expected a Chloe Evans to be available. You're not going to turn that down, even if you feel good about your outfield. So mm -hmm. I think Coach Paul Malone has, has shown she will be aggressive in, in grabbing great talent and adding, even if they have a, you know, a strength in that position. That's why she, to me, is right now among the best evaluators uh, in, in the coaching industry right now at UCF. Because she can evaluate talent. She's four for four the last two years on the portal. And, uh, Five for five. You can count Janisha Rose. So uh, that's, I think, what they're going to do. They're going to tweak some rosters, add some depth, because that's what you're going to need in the Big 12. Last, last season was almost kind of like the Jada Cody, Shannon Doherty show for a lot. And then when yeah. Gianna and Kama, of course, were there as well, but they've moved on. You add Chloe, Jasmine, and Sarah to that. That's like, that's a five person core, along with Aubrey Evans. That's a six person core that you add to that. And I am very interested to see how that would stack up to the big 12. I've said before that because of how, how much of this core is probably going to be coming back, that the story of this particular team is only halfway over because the, yeah. the main players in this story are going, will be together for two years. So that's a lot of time to gel and surround themselves with talent. So you and like you mentioned, Eric, I mean, fourth or fifth place in the Big 12 can still get you into the tournament. So easily could be get you in the mix to host. Baylor was the team that finished yeah. fourth in the Big 12 could easily host. <laughs> that's the thing, too. We got to remember, you could finish fourth or fifth in the Big 12 and still make the NCAAs pretty easily and be in the mix to host, unlike the American. That's so the win loss sure. record may not be as shiny in the big 12, but that doesn't mean they won't be better teams. And I think some of the players, the scene, I think a Jada Cody, Shannon Dorto have big years next year being their final year. Uh, I think that'll also help their team next season as well. But they, there was a lot of learning curves this year with the young pitching staff, tough schedule, but even coach ball Malone mentioned in the post game, we got to stop acting like we're the underdog. We're no longer the underdog. It's kind of like hmm. the old, the CM kind, kind of like John Cena. Kind of ironic, though, considering that they're going to be going into a league where they will actually be the underdog. But if, <laughs> yeah, but I think her, but her mindset is if you act like you're the underdog, then you're going to get beat down like an underdog. And her thing is, let's we're not the underdog. Let's act like we're the, you know, heavy dog. I like it. We're now power five, and I think that's true. You want to get I to like OKC? It. That's the mindset. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Drew is up in here. Hey, Drew. Uh, he, we, we got a little bit of a, uh, a, a little breaking news yesterday on Tuesday prior to, uh, uh, UCF going on the, uh, charge on tour up to New York. It's not gold uniforms, Drew. It's Thank gold. <laughs> it's, uh, a change to the gold helmet. This, uh, a brighter gold kind of reminds me of like the, uh, a, a, slightly less obnoxious version of the Notre Dame gold 
for the helmet. Um, UCF released some uh, photos of it. I really like the black script knights on this thing. It pops. Yeah, it does pop. Um, thoughts by uh, uh, Andrew Google, un- resident uniform and sports branding expert here uh, on the Night Shift podcast. This is uh, 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 thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. What do you got? Uh, overall, I give it a thumbs up. Like, think about it. Uh, so UCF has two shades of gold officially. There's bright gold, which is the new helmet. Mm-hmm. And then there's the metallic gold, which actually has a bunch of restrictions. Uh, if you go on their website, as far as how to use it, uh, really football was the last athletic bastion for metallic gold. It, it, it came around in 2007 when they did the rebrand, uh, they highlighted a darker gold and, and then one after another sports team, uh, the sports teams kind of went away for it and started focusing more on the bright gold because of the contrast with, with the black and the white and, and, you know, the different, designs that they're they've got used within it uh so uh you know the black you you look at the different colors that ucf used for their helmet lids since 2016 you know you had their pewter color metallic the gold metallic the black was a matte with a bit of metallic to it well they got rid of that in 2022 pewter's gone Mm -hmm. it's a new black color now it's a it's a more pure black so it actually kind of fits to revamp the gold. I mean, timing would have made more sense to do it last year, but obviously you do what you can when you can. Uh, they dropped this at 100 days until the season starts as a little bit of a teaser, a little, a little something to, to kind of uh, nosh on. And, uh, you know, I, I think they did a good job. Uh, am I wild about the gold chrome decals? Eh, you're not going to see it on TV. You're not. Uh, yeah, it it's going to be It's going to be hard to see. The black, looks, the black script pops, though. Oh, absolutely. I think it's the best part is that yeah. black script just looks fantastic on that brighter gold. But here's the truth. You know, it's, you know, that gold decal, great for photos, great for that close up stuff. Uh, it's not going to translate to TV, but you know what? I don't think the fans really care. <laughs> uh, when are we going to, when do you think we're going to see this first opening night in a hundred days or uh, well, they're kind of hinting at, they're hinting at that is or, that. or, or maybe big 12 opening night. Uh, no, I, I think they'll they'll hit the ground running. They kind of tease that that's going to be what they're aiming for for that kickoff game uh, against Kent State. You know, in a hundred days against so, the Golden uh, Flashes. Hey, that's my mom's alma mater. Uh, <laughs> you know, going back to the Mac. Uh, so you know, I, I don't Old think school. they're going to. De- yeah, I don't think they're going to deviate <laughs> from that. Uh, you know, as we found out, it was the the night mode top. To go with a goal that actually matches it now. Yeah, that does look uh, good with my. Nightmare. So yeah, now Drew, now Drew, now Drew, is this right. like a? Do you think they'll still rotate helmets? Is this going to be more? We're going to oh, see absolutely. this helmet more. Yeah. Okay. So it's not as big of a. This is just a different goal when they decide to go with this. This is what. Yeah. It's it's part of a rebrand. You know, um, Missouri did this when they went to the SEC. They they embraced the rebrand, going away from the the block M logo to the Tiger UCF brought in the new night head and have been making other wholesale changes as they got along a new font, uh, a new design and, and just kind of a new attitude. Uh, so I mean, it's, you know, the time, the time was right. Now, this, if you're, if you're going to make a splash, this is the year to do it when you, you're, you're under the microscope uh, per se, you know, uh, you know, talking about all these new teams, the freshman four. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, my daughter's right behind me. And she actually has she actually has some thoughts on this too, I, which I appreciate. But um, all right, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the, I like the slow, well, Drew, sure rollout here too. So. Drew, I I think you would agree. If they start losing in these helmets, you could get rid of them, right? Like I'll get to well, give you credit. You were on top of this with the these helmets are expensive, man. Let's not go down that road just yet. The key is don't ever bring back that name, Big Game Gold, again because that is a big game loser. That's what that is. Can we also put to bed the idea of gold uniforms? Oh please, Uh, they just need to be set on fire. (laughs) Well, and and well, they don't exist exactly. So anyone who thinks that in in the UCF (laughs) brand design department needs to be canned immediately for. Actions detrimental. I'm, I'm to fairly the certain there's. I'm fairly certain there's a standing policy that we are not going to do that. But anyway, 
All right, so uh, cool little branding stuff to talk about there um, as well. All right, uh, we got a couple other things that we got that I wanted to pop in and talk about. Uh, let's talk about some basketball. And uh, Bryce, I want to get you in here, and Eric as well. We have some movements in the portal. Johnny Dawkins hitting the portal once again, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. So um, four key additions for UCF. We're going to go over them real quick. Shamari Allen played at Kansas uh, UMKC, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, last year. He's originally from Arden, North Carolina. Last year averaged 17 points, uh, five rebounds, 2.7 assists uh, as a uh, as a guard. Um, so he should be. Uh, so he'll be joining. He's joining the fray. Uh, just recently came out today, Jalen Sellers from Ball State. Uh, he announced on his Instagram, he hasn't officially signed, um, but uh, 6'4", 180 out of Columbus, Georgia originally. He's a sophomore. Last year, 13 and a half points, three rebounds, one assist shot, 49%. Uh, uh, Jaquan Walton is making the move to from, uh, that dropped uh, today officially, the junior originally from Wichita State. He's a 6'7 guard. Uh, officially listed, also from Columbus, Georgia, 13.9 points, 5.3 rebounds. So we're getting a lot of scoring out here. And then Omar Payne, uh, who's kind of bounced around, was most recently at Jacksonville, 6'10 forward, um, originally, a local kid originally from Kissimmee. Uh, last year averaged uh, five, just under five points, uh, one block, 3.2 rebounds, but provides some much-needed size. This guy actually played at... Uh, uh, Florida previously, uh, and then was in Illinois, and then finally Jacksonville. So, um, so four additions there, uh, Bryson. Do these guys fill some keyholes here that we were looking to see? I think that well, Johnny Dawkins, first of all, has been. Uh, we talk about how good Sydney Ball Malone is in the transfer portal, but I think on the men's sports side, Johnny Dawkins is kind of like her counterpart to that who is a very great evaluator of talent i mean he's not going to be in the collegiate basketball hall of fame for no reason after all so the as of right now i think the the guard the three guards that he's bringing in are are very solid shamari allen i i can see him as sort of a jalen young s kind of player he's kind of going to be because since jalen young entered the transfer portal i think allen coming in from umkc is it is can very much fit into that kind of role where he'll be kind of the maybe six sixth man kind of backup guard to either the point or the shooting guard and if there's an injury then he'll be the one to step in i think i think jaquan walton is very is going to be very interesting to see how he pairs up with with darius johnson because walton was, was the starter at wichita state last year he went 136, 254 in field goals, 42 and 105 of 105 from three, and 75, 96 free throws. And he rebounds the ball pretty well, too. So I I'm, I think we could honestly see Walton t- uh, take up that second guard spot next to Darius Johnson. I, uh, Darius Johnson. It also, of course, fills the role because D- Dawkins lost three pure guards along with Jalen Brandon Suggs in the transfer portal. So he's already working on on filling that out and getting Sellers and Walton most recently is a very good step to replenishing those guards. As for the forwards, Omar Payne, Omar Payne coming, he only started nine games last year for Jacksonville. Now he was with Florida before, and we've seen, we've seen Dawkins take, take in players that as a third school destination and them, and them getting bounce back years, see Michael Durr. So mm-hmm. I think that if that, uh, and they still have CJ Walker, I think Tyano, uh, Tyano Sila is, is all looked interesting in his limited performances last year. So I think I still want to see a little more from the forwards, uh, forwards, elite uh, forwards, whatever other additions he can get. But I think Omar will certainly have some good depth because I think that with the injury to Michael there last year, it really, it really shown how kind of vulnerable as far as forward depth the this team can be sometimes. So as from where they're standing right now, very solid transfer portal additions. But I'm interested to see what else they can do before the season starts. Elo, how are you feeling about these? 
I feel like I need a program. Can we sell programs at the arena so I know who the heck is who? Because that's college. You got basketball. a phone? You can look this up on your phone. I mean, it's insane, man. College basketball is just out of control. It's just I can't, recognize, I can't recognize any rosters and hoops. But look, will these pieces fit? Right? We don't know. Last year, the pieces fit. Two years ago, Andrew, Drew, you remember you and I talked a lot. The pieces didn't fit, so it's got to fit. Uh, I love Walton of Wichita. I've seen him play. This kid's legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he could be a big playmaker for them. But, again, how do these pieces fit? We won't know that until we see him on the court. John Rostein's reporting that we'll see him on the court opening the season at home against FIU. Uh, so there you go, in-state matchup. Then they go to Miami after that, according to John Rostein. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if these pieces yeah. fit with the returners and the newbies. Uh, that's, the, that's the nature in college basketball nowadays is – Will these pieces fit, and how long does it take them to uh, to get that chemistry? The one we also don't know for sure is, you know, Ithiel Horton has, I think, a year remaining, but he's even though he's declared for the draft, you know, obviously if he if he doesn't, you know, he's going through the evaluation process. He could theoretically come back still. I expect him to. Uh, uh, you know, that's a, a very common thing now. I mean, uh, you we've seen test- we've seen other guys do that. We saw, yeah, I mean, uh, Taco Fall yeah. did it when he yep. was still an underclassman. Uh, you can test the waters. It gives you the opportunity to find out what these teams are looking for and what their scouts feel that you need to do to improve on your game. Uh, I would love the NFL to do something like this. I, I think it's a great idea uh, where you can actually interact with teams and kind of figure things out. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I just want to uh, touch on it real quick. I agree with Eric about uh, Walton coming in. I, I like this guy. He's a three-point shooter. Uh, he's an outside guy. He was third best in percentage for in the American for three points uh, shooting at Wichita state. The biggest question is who's your slasher going to be? Who's the guy who can create his own shot? Uh, You know, no one's really jumping out as someone who can consistently be that guy. And I I think that's what, well, we don't know that yet. We don't know that. Remember CJ Kelly wasn't that type of player. He kind of developed that while Mm -hmm. when he got here. Well, yeah, uh, and, well, that's the know. thing. Uh, as you said, we, we have to see how this team kind of gels. Someone's going to have to rise up. Now, C.J. Kelly can do it, but he didn't do it consistently, and that's the thing. You're going to have to have a guy who can consistently be that guy uh, if you want this team. Because remember, this is a right now they're a big man short. This is a small team, so you're going to have to have a lot of slashing. You're going to have to move the ball around. Uh, you're not going to be able to do an inside-out game, so you're going to have to have someone who can create their own shot. Yeah, uh, and so we're we're gonna have to see how he can kind of make it work. So we'll be, um, yeah, again, I mean, we'll we'll find out more. I think in the next month, in addition to the fact that, uh, well, NBA draft is on June twenty second. By the way, I checked my favorite site on NBA draft news is nbadraft.net. They got Taylor Hendricks going five to the Detroit Pistons. I mean, oh, I don't I don't know bad. how he did at the combine. Um, he wasn't one of the names thrown around as as someone who really did who pushed himself up or, or dropped down. He kind of just was, you know, his name didn't really show up. And there must be a reason for it. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I you've seen the he's got the size, he's got the strength, but he's a little raw. You know, he's he's still oh, young. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's yeah, a bit great of... fit for the Magic. Another guy with long wingspan. There yeah, is. if if he if uh, according to this, if he gets to them, yeah, because because <laughs> there's six a few trades here. So. I, I think five may be a little bit of a stretch for him, but I think that's more of a of a gamble on potential. Uh, six would be a good spot. Well, keep in mind the draft. The top, it's a two three player draft. The top two three guys, everybody knows who they are. After that. Yeah, it's kind of it, it could go a lot of different directions. That's why oh, yeah. you you see you're going to see a lot of differences between he could go as high as five, could go in the teens because it's really a we, crap shoot. We know who's going number well, one. That's the thing. <laughs> I think he will not pass Orlando at eleven. If he falls, that he will not pass Orlando at eleven. Uh, I think that's a. I've, a I've been hearing he won't pass Dallas at 10. well. Yeah, think, Dallas makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, he, I think Indiana will take him if they get a chance. I think they're at ten. Uh, they would love him. Uh, Utah would uh, be a good spot for him too. Utah would be a fantastic oh, spot for him. Salt Lake, uh, though, God, that it's a very Go young a real franchise. City. It's got so much draft assets at their disposal. I mean, that's a great situation to walk into. Is Utah? Uh, they're going to be uh, a team to watch out for in the West in the coming years. All right. 
Well, yeah, until all their players leave for real te- for real markets, <laughs> or get <laughs> traded to the Cleveland. Ca- yeah, when, when when the Cleveland Cavaliers are poaching you, you know it's a rough it's a rough. Situation. Well, but I mean, I don't care that... where ta- I don't care where Taylor ends up as long as he's happy and productive. That's all yeah, I care. Yeah, I mean, you just want him to have a good career, right? Yeah. Um, don't uh, make your money, man. Yeah, yeah. well, the month before cash- we find out. Yeah, keep cashing them checks. So. Uh, NBA draft is on the 22nd of June. So, um, all right. A couple trans, uh, a quick transactional move to talk about, Elo. I wanted to get you in on this one um, as well. UCF Volleyball has a new, assi- a new head coach officially now. They have removed the acting tag from Jenny Maurer. She has been named the new head, officially the new head coach of UCF volleyball um it is jenny's ship to run and uh obviously congratulations he's been a friend of the show and the website for a long time um this was the right move at the right time wasn't it yeah i mean we talked about it last week we expected a move to happen with the timing the calendar there was a lot of you know you got to move quick here you got that european tour uh Mm -hmm. coming up here soon so you go with somebody who's come who knows the program knows the school knows the structure has recruited the roster basically uh, has had coaching experience so why not I think you give her the opportunity I think it's an easier adjustment period transition uh, and you know now you let her build her staff she's already hired an assistant which I know we'll get into but I, I think yeah this seemed to be the heavy favorite once the job opened like at this calendar year hmm. uh, there was not a lot of directions to go I wasn't surprised but I'm, I'm happy for her I think she's earned this opportunity I've said this very publicly the success that we've seen from UCF Volleyball, this run, all started with her arrival. You look at UCF Volleyball before she arrived, after she arrived, two different programs. Uh, she recruited McKenna Belleville. She recruited Amber Olson. She's brought she a lot of Aaron Olson. Correct. So, uh, to me, that's where this program took off, was with her addition to the staff. So, uh, we'll see what she does from a staff standpoint. Obviously, they're going to have a bit of a rebuild this year, although they got some nice young talent. But obviously, you're going to the Big 12, so that will be a transition there. But uh, I think Jenny's excited. And I think she's got some energy, too. There's something to be said sometimes. You have a new a voice who's excited. It's got some new energy. I think she's fired up for this opportunity, and I think she's looking to prove people that she's, she earned this job. And uh, I, I expect some en- extra energy there. With, with You have that fresh voice for some of the players, even though it's yeah. the similar voice. But it's a different tone. Um. She's retaining Aaron Olson as the director of operations. That's great. Um, we did find out that uh, Brian Doyen is not returning uh, as the other associate head coach. So uh, Jenny has a staff to fill out, at least two assistants, plus a volunteer, at least as of right now. Uh, she's filled one of them. Uh, Jason Tanaka uh, comes over to UCF. Uh, he's a 25-year college coaching vet. Um, has been in the Big 12, actually started out at Baylor uh, way back in the day, uh, also coached at TCU when they were uh, prior to them joining the Big 12 and then afterwards, um, was most recently coaching in high school. And uh, by the way, he was at TCU. He was there for 13 years as associate head coach and recruiting coordinator. He's got a lot of connections uh, in Texas. And this is one thing we were talking about before the show, Eric. You know, Jenny's recruiting base was the upper Midwest. So Chicago, Minneapolis, those kinds of places. Tanaka opens up Texas. Uh, UCF has had some success in Texas before, but now you really got to be good at it, right? Yeah, Uh, Big 12 County. So um, this guy knows his way around the Lone Star State and, and, uh, and parts nearby. And I think this was a, you know, he, he will definitely be uh, an asset to UCF going forward, no? Yes, and I think that's a smart move for Jenny to have somebody has ties to that region, has ties to recruiting in that state. Because if UCF's going to be uh, – <clears throat> if they're going to compete in the Big 12 in volleyball, they have to tap into that market. They have to tap into that Big 12 uh, town, if you will, that region. And I think you have someone here that can can do that for you. And I think for Jenny, she's going to take care of the Midwest. Now you've got somebody who takes care of that Big 12 area, that Southwest. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to upgrade because you're going to need some size. You're going to need some more boot, a boost talent there to compete in the Big 12. So we'll see what the other assistant is. Uh, it's going to be interesting because does Jenny keep 
calling the plays offensively? Or does she bring somebody in to do that? We don't know yet. Well, obviously, she's got her staff. Obviously, they're going to go to Europe. I think she has a pretty good idea what she wants to do from when I ran into her, actually, on volleyball, on base, uh, at the baseball, baseball game. Friday. Yeah. She, was, she was supposed to throw the first pitch. I don't know. What, did she end up throwing the first pitch, Bryson? That was a weather delay. It didn't start till like, 8 o'clock at night. So I never, I didn't stick around. Yeah. But I don't know. I, she, who knows? I, yeah. She's a former I, softball player. She could throw. But uh, hmm. I, she told me she felt pretty confident about the staff she had. So we'll find out once that comes out. Uh, yeah. Um, Tanaka, by the way, previously was, uh, his most recent job was he was a high school coach in South Lake, Texas, just outside, you know, in the, in the Metroplex DFW. Yeah, took a year off from division one after being at SMU on the staff there for a while. So knows his way around. So, um, again, we'll monitor who the next assistant, uh, will be, uh, for UCF. Um, all right, Bryson, let's get you in here because we got to talk about, uh, tennis, NCAA tennis. Uh, taking place down in uh, uh, or taking place right now. The doubles tournament is underway, and uh, Bogdan Pavel and Leighton Kranje advanced, uh, uh, advanced to the Sweet 16. And do they have a shot at a national title? Well, it was a very back and forth match. I was there at the USTA National Campus, unfortunately, I, and I was I got there and I saw them win the first set after a tiebreaker seven six seven six. Unfortunately, um, a rain delay forced me and a UCF offensive lineman also was there uh, there as well. Um, forced us to uh, vacate the collegiate center portion of the campus, and the matches got moved indoors. Unfortunately. Uh, media are not allowed in there because oh, because it's a very it's a limited capacity in the indoors. Ooh. So I, what? So yeah, I don't know. That's just how it is. And there's not enough room in there. For, Nonsense. Like, True. You notice Bryson dropped in like, hey, I was hanging out with a UCF offensive lineman. I think he was trying to. Yeah, I think that was like a shade at you, Drew. I think that was a little. Hey, shade Alex Ward watches ten, watched tennis a lot this year. <laughs> so, when I was in middle school, I played football. I wrestled and played tennis. <laughs> It's okay. So, you could be a tennis fan. So uh, anyway, so I followed the rest of the the, the second set on uh, Crack Rackets, which is a YouTube channel that was streaming the, the rest of the match. It is a nice name. I'll admit that. Uh, I watched and it too. It it a, I, I hope and, you don't have any viruses on your computer now visiting it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it was another back another <laughs> back and forth set. Like the this these North Carolina pair that Pavel and Kranji Kranji faced against. Uh, was really didn't let them pull away at all. It, ha- it came down to tiebreakers in both sets, and UCF ended up winning both of them. I was talking with them afterwards, and you can see the uh, video from after that on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel, where like this was a really good doubles doubles match that was played uh, that that was played today in the round of thirty two. But you know, but they got the win despite the weather, which has been threatening at the USTA National Campus all week. It's been like it, it's been like this. This match, this matchup was actually supposed to happen yesterday, and then it happened. And then finally, they got it, got it in today. But of course, weather interfered again. So we'll see how that goes. They're supposed to play the both the round of sixteen and the quarterfinals tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. But this is the second time Pop Bavel's, as Bob Bavel's made it to the round of sixteen in the NCAA men's doubles tournament in his career. So he could. He could make it farther than he ever has in the tournament with a win in the future. And also he could help avenge a look, keep the UCF tennis going because uh, Marie Mattel on the women's side lost in the NCAA singles championship, six, four, six, four in the first round. So uh, here's the, here's the schedule for Karanji and Pavel. So they play uh, Andrew Fenty and Gavin Young of Michigan uh, in the next round. Uh, the winner of that match plays the winner of uh, Andres Martin and Marcus McDaniel of Georgia Tech versus Ozan Barris and Max Sheldon of Michigan State. Barris and Sheldon actually knocked off the top seed, Toby Samuel and Connor Thompson of South Carolina. So um, the, the bracket kind of opened up a little bit for uh, for Leighton and, and Boggy, so... Um, you know, again, like we said, we'll see. They they may have two matches tomorrow, two p.m. and then five. If they win that, they'll probably go at five p.m. Um, the weather, like we said, has been biting the guys. I think that the, I, I, Bryce, do you think that the weather with the rain 
kind of takes away a slight advantage for UCF because they like playing in the heat. And, uh, you know, a lot of these other teams, their, their tennis facilities are indoors. So when you go indoors, that kind of neutralizes some of that advantage. So, um, well, so that's kind of a bummer. Well, even outdoors, it was still a very, uh, it was still a very close match. Even outdoors, these are remember these are the top. Yeah, these are the best teams in the country. In the country, that's why, yeah. like you know, even if you play good doubles tennis, you can knock off that number one C, which is what Barris and Sheldon were able to do. So it's a very wide, it's a very wide open tournament. It was a very close match, close match. I think anything is possible with this but this is this is the one last ride for Pavel this is the last time that he's going to be wearing a UCF uh, you know a UCF uniform in competition so I imagine that he wants to you know keep winning and go as far as he can get with it all right last but not least NCAA track and field prelims in Jacksonville uh they start Thursday the 25th uh, and you and there, there's plenty of black and gold that's going to be running around uh, the situation in Jacksonville. Fourteen nights are heading up there. Um, the national championships, of course, are will be in Austin June seventh through tenth. But uh, we're going to see how UCF fares uh, first in these prelims, and uh, we got plenty of athletes to talk about in prime time on the first night Thursday. Uh, Shara Collins, Jasmine Scott Kilgo in the long jump. Uh, three nights in the 100-meter hurdles, uh, including Renaya Jones. Six nights in the 100-meter dash, um, which uh, includes Renaya, uh, as well as Iasia Wilson. Kaylor Harris is in there. Latasha Smith competes in the 400 meters at 7 o'clock. And then uh, Latasha also, again, in the 200 meters right after that, uh, along with Beyonce DeFreitas, uh, Kia Williams is out there, Johnny Jasper's out there, Ani Wells is out there, uh, and we also have uh, Adrian Adams in the discus. Um, more triple jump uh, with Natalia Madison, Shara Collins, and Jasmine Scott Kilgo. Uh, it's going to be, and that's going to be on Saturday. It's, it's going to be a busy weekend for UCF track. Um, what are the, uh, who do you think are going to be the favorites out of this, Bryson? Obviously, Renaya Jones in the 100. Uh, in the hundred dash and then the hundred hurdles, um, and Jasmine Scott Kilgo, I'm guessing in the long jump, should be uh, the main competitors for a spot in Austin. No, I would agree with that. Ashera, don't forget Ashera Collins; she's been in the championship. And Ashera, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, don't don't go sleeping on her now. But the other factor in all this is going to be Latasha Smith. The, uh, Latasha Smith, I. This this woman should have had her breakout year last year, but she was not able to compete in the po- in, in compete in the postseason for other reasons. Now she's going in to this ch- to to this championship, the eleventh fastest four hundred meter dash in the country, and the second fastest two hundred meters in the country. I, you know, Renaya Jones for good reason is the is the star of this team, but Latasha Smith, I think, is. I think just as good as her, but she ha- just hasn't been able to really soak up the spotlight as much as Renaya has. So I would definitely, I would definitely keep an eye on Latasha during this one because I think that if there's any new knight that is going to make the champion, because Renaya and Ashera have been there before, so mm-hmm. if there are any new knights that I would really keep an eye on to that could make it to Austin to that championship, then Latasha Smith is my number one. And then I and then Jasmine Scott Kilgo would be my would then be my number two because of the breakout that she's experienced. And let's not forget Adrian Adams either. Adrian Adams has been had real has really come into her own yeah. in the distance throw this year. So I think that she will also be one to threaten to make it to the to make it to the championship game. But I think the big name of the game is you really want to get as many athletes to the to Austin as possible because. When it because we never really talked about this with track and field before because you need a lot of athletes in the championship to get the team title, and so the more athletes you can get, the better chances you have at that. We haven't really done it with this track and field team before, so I, the the more athletes you can get to Austin, the better. And I think we'll be very interested to see who will make it there this weekend. All right, all right. So we'll have updates on them this weekend. Updates on baseball, of course. We got stuff up there right now. Nick Porcelli. Uh, who is uh, out in Tampa 
uh, covering baseball for us. He'll, uh, well, yeah. who knows what's going to happen tomorrow as far as the Get weather? Some good weather, like, Nick. Bring Nick, some yeah. good weather. I mean, will Nick you? is Nick, Nick has been Nick has been patiently waiting. But we got you know we talked baseball a little bit earlier. But um, you know he's been he, he's out there in Clearwater covering things for us right now. So um, who knows what the schedule is going to look like tomorrow? Who knows even if we'll have electricity right now? At least as of as we speak, Pirates have taken the lead. They have yep, taken eight the to lead. six ECU over Cincinnati. Bottom seven, but uh, don't sleep on the Cats. Uh, you know ECU's left eight on pace in this game, but um, <clears throat> I think it's for them. Yeah, I know it's it's been rough, but make sure you follow Nick Porcelli two on Twitter. Nick, uh, you've enjoyed the, the Florida Panthers uh, series there with the Hurricanes. They're up 3-0, about to win the Eastern Final there. Good I know. You. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like, not you didn't to like mention, my jab at the magic. Or not, to, not, to mention, not to mention our Miami Heat, Eric Lopez. Yeah, nah, I'm not as comfortable about that one. That one, I'm not as good. That's a lot. Well, you a think they're going to blow a 3 nothing lead? Are you kidding me? Have some faith, man. That's a tricky series. I respect the Celtics. That's a talent. I mean, I'm shocked they're even in this position. Panthers on the other way clearly tanked the regular season. I remember they were they, that they goalie, were the dude. Best record last year. I mean, this was a hey, good team. That's what I'm saying. Is you it, don't want that hey, president's trophy. The rats are back. It's Bob. The rats are back, baby. Bro- Officer Bobrovsky's carrying them right now. I know. What what is is shades of, shades of John Van Beesbrook. I mean, I've it's got been a, a good few, year in uh, South Florida. Yeah, it's, it's been a great year for South Florida. And listen, listen, hey, if the all right, and Elon, I'm telling you right now. If the Panthers and the Heat come out of this summer with titles, big time pressure on the Dolphins. Big time pressure on the Dolphins. I don't think. No, it's not big time pressure because remember, 2016 Cavaliers win the title, the Indians went to the World Series, and then the Browns uh, went tried to go winless. Went kaput. They're like, oh, to be. Bears, nope. it's the Browns. Well, the the the, the joke kind of was, par for the course. You know, yeah. their area code is two one six. So two one six and two oh one six. Well, the Browns got confused. Oh, we thought you meant oh one six. Is it oh and sixteen? Oh, you yeah. guys your I don't know. Is it really pressure on the Dolphins though? Like they're in the toughest, one of the toughest divisions in the NFL with the Bills. Maybe the Jets can be something. Never count out Belichick. So, uh, well, I, I think it's safe to count them. Out. If, if if the if the Panthers win a Stanley Cup, who've been in existence for a less period of time than the Dolphin than it's been since the Dolphins won the Super Bowl, yes, fair enough, yes. So, yeah. all right, let's wrap this thing up. Thanks to uh, all of you for uh, listening here on uh, the Night Shift Podcast. Uh, you can follow all of our written content at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Uh, follow Drew at Statboy Drew, Nick at Nick Porcelli Two, Eric at Eric Lopez Elo, Bryson at It's Bryson Turner, and yours truly at Jeff underscore Sharon. Don't forget we learned to learn that Drew follow... played tennis back in the day. Hello, yeah, I know. Oh yeah, serving well, volley player. By the way, we are happy to see you back, Drew. You're a little under the weather. Had some uh, had some had some uh, some. You were playing hurt there for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, am I 100% no? I found out I'm going to actually have to have surgery to get rid of the Whoa. problem for good, but I, I'm here, okay. and, and I'm, and I'm You're at least, you, you were upgraded to probable this weekend, so that, you know, that's, you know, we'll take that. We'll take, we'll take, we'll take our run. chances that. It's better we'll, than the alternative. That's, that's good enough for us to put you in the lineup. But I may have so. to bust out one of my Florida Panthers jerseys. I have to right. with them. Well, which one? Who do you got? Is it the old oh. one? Because the old ones are way better than the current ones. Oh yeah, they're all they're all. I uh, the the newest one was when they had that blue one that they almost rebranded to. And oh Jeff Moore was yeah, the thing. Right. I have one of those. Like I, yeah, I honestly I, dig the old logo where it's like the panther biting in the stick. I actually, yeah, I've got, yeah, I got those. Their, I got those. Yeah, I've got one of the yellow jerseys that were made by Starter that were always I, I'll popular. Tell you, I, I'll tell you one that I I I I actually like the the altered state of Florida flag. Are you talking that about those? The retro reverse. The blue? No, no, no. They, they actually have it on their regular uniforms on one of the sleeves. It's the state of Florida flag, but instead of the oh, seal that. in the middle, they put the sun. They put a sun, and I like that. I feel like they should change the, the state. Should change that. Change the flag to that. That looks better than anything. It's better than what we currently have. <laughs> I think Play we can that. agree that Taylor Hendricks is a better fit with the Florida Panthers than the Orlando Magic. At least we can agree on that. Oh, <laughs> okay. 
I don't know, man. All right. Like, like, harsh, 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 harsh. How many more weeks, care. man, guys, are we as, getting Nick? As long as t- wherever Taylor goes, I hope he gets plenty of time. I hope he does well, and I hope my magic does, does well. well. I just want to so. see some wins. I know. That's what Your Orlando tragic. That's Listen, I want to see. I, I got a good feeling about the match. Better than being a Browns fan. Taylor or not. Taylor oh, not. They got two no. draft picks. Hey, you we can deal the two draft picks and get, and get, get some help. So you, you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the most losing team in history. Oh, and here we go. With, there, there's no just, one's going to beat them in futility. Yeah, that, I mean, that sucks, but let me ask you this. Where's your Super Bowl ring? <laughs> you don't need Super Bowl rings when you got multiple Whoa. championships. The NFL existed wow. before 1966. No one cares about those. Those don't mean nothing. <laughs> They don't about- mean nothing. No one cares. They sued the If you've listened, if you've listened this far, congratulations. You you listened long enough to see the show go completely off the rails five minutes ago. Completely off the rails. All right. Uh, a shout out to uh, to Kyle, the student of the game, the SOTG on Twitter, couldn't join us tonight. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, of course, I mentioned Twitter, but also Facebook, Instagram. And, of course, our YouTube channel, Black and Gold Banner, where we have all the latest post-game and reaction from every UCF sport that we can possibly get to. So for all of us here at Black and Gold Banner and the Night Shift Podcast, I'm Jeff Sharon saying good night, go Knights, charge on.